chapter ten of the inimitable jeeves this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the inimitable jeeves by p g wodehouse startling dressiness of a lift attendant the part which old george had written for the chump cyril took up about two pages of typescript but it might have been hamlet the way that poor misguided pinhead worked himself to the bone over it i suppose if i heard him his lines once i did it a dozen times in the first couple of days he seemed to think that my only feeling about the whole affair was one of enthusiastic admiration and that he could rely on my support and sympathy what with trying to imagine how aunt agatha was going to take this thing and being woken up out of the dreamless in the small hours every other night to give my opinion of some new bit of business which cyril had invented i became more or less the good old shadow and all the time jeeves remained still pretty cold and distant about the purple socks it's this sort of thing that ages a chappie don't you know and makes his youthful joie de vivre go a bit groggy at the knees in the middle of it aunt agatha's letter arrived it took her about six pages to do justice to cyril's father's feelings in regard to his going on the stage and about six more to give me a kind of sketch of what she would say think and do if i didn't keep him clear of injurious influences while he was in america the letter came by the afternoon mail and left me with a pretty firm conviction that it wasn't a thing i ought to keep to myself i didn't even wait to ring the bell i whizzed for the kitchen bleeding for jeeves and butted into the middle of a regular tea-party of sorts seated at the table were a depressed-looking cove who might have been a valet or something and a boy in a norfolk suit the valet chappie was drinking a whisky and soda and the boy was being tolerably rough with some jam and cake oh i say jeeves i said sorry to interrupt the feast of reason and flow of soul and so forth but at this juncture the small boy's eye hit me like a bullet and stopped me in my tracks it was one of those cold clammy accusing sort of eyes the kind that makes you reach up to see if your tie is straight and he looked at me as if i were some sort of unnecessary product which cuthbert the cat had brought in after a ramble among the local ash-cans he was a stoutish infant with a lot of freckles and a good deal of jam on his face hallo 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 i said what there didn't seem much else to say the stripling stared at me in a nasty sort of way through the jam he may have loved me at first sight but the impression he gave me was that he didn't think a lot of me and wasn't betting much that i would improve a great deal on acquaintance i had a kind of feeling that i was about as popular with him as a cold welsh rabbit what's your name he asked my name oh worcester don't you know and what not my pop's richer than you are that seemed to be all about me the child having said his say started in on the jam again i turned to jeeves i say jeeves can you spare a moment i want to show you something very good sir we toddled into the sitting-room who is your little friend sidney the sunbeam jeeves the young gentleman sir it's a loose way of describing him but i know what you mean i trust i was not taking a liberty in entertaining him sir not a bit if that's your idea of a large afternoon go ahead i happened to meet the young gentleman taking a walk with his father's valet sir 
whom i used to know somewhat intimately in london and i ventured to invite them both to join me here well never mind about him jeeves read this letter he gave it the up and down very disturbing sir was all he could find to say what are we going to do about it time may provide a solution sir on the other hand it mayn't what extremely true sir we'd got as far as this when there was a ring at the door jeeves shimmered off and cyril blew in full of good cheer and blitheringness i say worcester old thing he said i want your advice you know this jolly old part of mine how ought i to dress it what i mean is the first act scene is laid in an hotel of sorts at about three in the afternoon what ought i to wear do you think i wasn't feeling fit for a discussion of gents suitings you'd better consult jeeves i said a hot and by no means unripe idea where is he gone back to the kitchen i suppose i'll smite the good old bell shall i yes no right o jeeves poured silently in oh i say jeeves began cyril i just wanted to have a syllable or two with you it's this way hello who's this i then perceived that the stout stripling had trickled into the room after jeeves he was standing near the door looking at cyril as if his worst fears had been realized there was a bit of a silence the child remained there drinking cyril in for about half a minute then he gave his verdict fish face eh what said cyril the child who had evidently been taught at his mother's knee to speak the truth made his meaning a trifle clearer you've a face like a fish he spoke as if cyril was more to be pitied than censured which i am bound to say i thought rather decent and broad-minded of him i don't mind admitting that whenever i looked at cyril's face i always had a feeling that he couldn't have got that way without its being mostly his own fault i found myself warming to this child absolutely don't you know i liked his conversation it seemed to take cyril a moment or two really to grasp the thing and then you could hear the blood of the bassington bassingtons begin to sizzle well i'm dashed he said i'm dashed if i'm not i wouldn't have a face like that proceeded the child with a good deal of earnestness not if you gave me a million dollars he thought for a moment then corrected himself two million dollars he added just what occurred then i couldn't exactly say but the next few minutes were a bit exciting i take it that cyril must have made a dive for the infant anyway the air seemed pretty well congested with arms and legs and things something bumped into the worcester waistcoat just around the third button and i collapsed on to the settee and rather lost interest in things for the moment when i had unscrambled myself i found that jeeves and the child had retired and cyril was standing in the middle of the room snorting a bit who's that frightful little brute worcester i don't know i never saw him before to-day i gave him a couple of tolerably juicy buffets before he legged it i say worcester that kid said a dashed odd thing he yelled out something about jeeves promising him a dollar if he called me er uh, what he said it sounded pretty unlikely to me what would jeeves do that for it struck me as rummy too where would be the sense of it that's what i can't see i mean to say it's nothing to jeeves what sort of a face you have no said cyril he spoke a little coldly i fancied i don't know why well i'll be popping to the loo pip pip it must have been about a week after this rummy little episode that george caffin called me up and asked me if i would care to go and see a run-through of his show asked dad it seemed was to open out of town in schenectady on the following monday and this was to be a sort of preliminary dress rehearsal 
a preliminary dress rehearsal old george explained was the same as a regular dress rehearsal inasmuch as it was apt to look like nothing on earth and last into the small hours but more exciting because they wouldn't be timing the piece and consequently all the blighters who on these occasions let their angry passions rise would have plenty of scope for interruptions with the result that a pleasant time would be had by all the thing was billed to start at eight o'clock so i rolled up at ten fifteen so as not to have too long to wait before they began the dress parade was still going on george was on the stage talking to a cove in shirt-sleeves and an absolutely round chappy with big spectacles and a practically hairless dome i had seen george with the latter merchant once or twice at the club and i knew that he was blumenfield the manager i waved to george and slid into his seat at the back of the house so as to be out of the way when the fighting started presently george hopped down off the stage and came and joined me and fairly soon after that the curtain went down the chappie at the piano whacked out a well-meant bar or two and the curtain went up again i can't quite recall what the plot of ask dad was about but i do know that it seemed able to jog along all right without much help from cyril i was rather puzzled at first what i mean is through brooding on cyril and hearing him in his part and listening to his views on what ought and what ought not to be done i suppose i'd got a sort of impression rooted in the old bean that he was pretty well the backbone of the show and that the rest of the company didn't do much except go on and fill in when he happened to be off the stage i sat there for nearly half an hour waiting for him to make his entrance until i suddenly discovered he had been on from the start he was in fact the rummy-looking plug ugly who was now leaning against a potted palm a couple of feet from the o p side trying to appear intelligent while the heroine sang a song about love being like something which for the moment has slipped my memory after the second refrain he began to dance in company with a dozen other equally weird birds a painful spectacle for one who could see a vision of aunt agatha reaching for the hatchet and old bassington bassington senior putting on his strongest pair of hobnailed boots absolutely the dance had just finished and cyril and his pals had shuffled off into the wings when a voice spoke from the darkness on my right pop old blumenfield clapped his hands and the hero who had just been about to get the next line off his diaphragm cheesed it i peered into the shadows who should it be but jeeves's little playmate with the freckles he was now strolling down the aisle with his hands in his pockets as if the place belonged to him an air of respectful attention seemed to pervade the building pop said the stripling that number's no good old blumenfield beamed over his shoulder don't you like it darling it gives me a pain you're dead right you want something zippy there something with a bit of jazz to it quite right my boy i'll make a note of it all right go on i turned to george who was muttering to himself in rather an overwrought way i say george old man who the dickens is that kid old george groaned a bit hollowly as if things were a trifle thick i didn't know he had called in it's blumenfield's son now we're going to have a hades of a time does he always run things like this always but why does old blumenfield listen to him nobody seems to know it may be pure fatherly love or he may regard him as a mascot my own idea is that he thinks the kid has exactly the amount of intelligence of the average member of the audience and that what makes a hit with him will please the general public while conversely what he doesn't like will be too rotten for any one the kid is a pest a wart and a pot of poison and should be strangled the rehearsal went on the hero got off his line there was a slight outburst of frightfulness between the stage manager and a voice named bill that came from somewhere near the roof the subject under discussion being where the devil bills ambers 
were at that particular juncture then things went on again until the moment arrived for cyril's big scene i was still a trifle hazy about the plot but i got on to the fact that cyril was some sort of an english peer who had come over to america doubtless for the best reasons so far he had only had two lines to say one was oh i say and the other was yes by jove but i seemed to recollect from hearing him read his part that pretty soon he was due rather to spread himself i sat back in my chair and waited for him to bob up he bobbed up about five minutes later things had got a bit stormy by that time the voice and the stage director had had another of their love feasts this time something to do with why bill's blues weren't on the job or something and almost as soon as that was over there was a bit of unpleasantness because a flower-pot fell off a window-ledge and nearly brained the hero the atmosphere was consequently more or less hotted up when cyril who had been hanging about at the back of the stage breezed down centre and towed the mark for his most substantial chunk of entertainment the heroine had been saying something i forget what in all the course with cyril at their head had begun to surge round her in the restless sort of way those chappies always do when there's a number coming along cyril's first line was oh i say you know you mustn't say that really and it seemed to me he passed it over the larynx with a goodish deal of vim and je ne sais quoi but by jove before the heroine had time for the comeback our little friend with the freckles had risen to lodge a protest pop yes darling that one's no good which one darling the one with a face like a fish but they all have faces like fish darling the child seemed to see the justice of this objection he became more definite the ugly one which ugly one that one said old bloomingfield pointing to cyril yep he's rotten i thought so myself he's a pill you're dead right my boy i've noticed it for some time cyril had been gaping a bit while these few remarks were in progress he now shot down to the footlights even from where i was sitting i could see that these harsh words had hit the old bassington bassington family pride a frightful wallop he started to get pink in the ears and then in the nose and then in the cheeks till in about a quarter of a minute he looked pretty much like an explosion in a tomato cannery on a sunset evening what the deuce do you mean what the deuce do you mean shouted old bloomingfield don't yell at me across the footlights i've a dash good mind to come down and spank that little brute what a dash good mind old bloomingfield swelled like a pumped-up tire he got rounder than ever see here mister i don't know your darn name my name's bassington bassington and the jolly old bassington bassingtons i mean the bassington bassingtons aren't accustomed old bloomingfield told him in a few brief words pretty much what he thought of the bassington bassingtons and what they weren't accustomed to the whole strength of the company rallied round to enjoy his remarks you could see them jutting out from the wings and protruding from behind trees you got to work good for my pop said the stout child waggling his head reprovingly at cyril i don't want any bally cheek from you said cyril gurgling a bit what's that barked old bloomingfield do you understand that this boy is my son yes i do said cyril and you both have my sympathy you're fired bellowed old bloomingfield swelling a good bit more get out of my theatre about half-past ten next morning just after i'd finished lubricating the good old interior with a soothing cup of oolong jeeves filtered into my bedroom and said that cyril was waiting to see me in the sitting-room how does he look jeeves sir what does mr bassington bassington look like it is hardly my place sir to criticise the facial peculiarities of your friends i don't mean that i mean does he appear peeved and what not not noticeably sir his manner is tranquil that's rum sir nothing show him in will you 
i'm bound to say i had expected to see cyril showing a few more traces of last night's battle i was looking for a bit of the overwrought soul in the quivering ganglions if you know what i mean he seemed pretty ordinary and quite fairly cheerful hello wooster old thing cheero i just looked in to say good-bye good-bye yes i'm off to washington in an hour he sat down on the bed you know wooster old top he went on i've been thinking it all over and really it doesn't seem quite fair to the jolly old governor my going on the stage and so forth what do you think i see what you mean i mean to say he sent me over here to broaden my jolly old mind and words to that effect don't you know and i can't help thinking it would be a bit of a jar for the old boy if i gave him the bird and went on the stage instead i don't know if you understand me but what i mean to say is it's a sort of question of conscience can you leave this show without upsetting everything oh that's all right i've explained everything to old blumenfield and he quite sees my position of course he's sorry to lose me said he didn't see how he could fill my place and all that sort of thing but after all even if it does land him in a bit of a hole i think i'm right in resigning my part don't you oh absolutely i thought you'd agree with me well i ought to be shifting awfully glad to have seen something of you and all that sort of rot pip-pip toodaloo he sallied forth having told all those bawly lies with the clear blue pop-eyed gaze of a young child i rang for jeeves you know ever since last night i had been exercising the old bean to some extent and a good deal of light had dawned upon me jeeves sir did you put that pie-faced infant up to bawly-ragging mr bassington bassington sir oh you know what i mean did you tell him to get mr bassington bassington sacked from the ask dad company i would not take such a liberty sir he started to put out my clothes it is possible that young master blumenfield may have gathered from casual remarks of mine that i did not consider the stage altogether a suitable sphere for mr bassington bassington i say jeeves you know you're a bit of a marvel i endeavoured to give satisfaction sir and i'm frightfully obliged if you know what i mean aunt agatha would have had sixteen or seventeen fits if you hadn't headed him off i fancy there might have been some little friction and unpleasantness sir i'm laying out the blue suit with the thin red stripe sir i fancy the effect will be pleasing it's a rummy thing but i had finished breakfast and gone out and gone as far as the lift before i remembered what it was that i had meant to do to reward jeeves for his really sporting behaviour in this matter of the chump cyril it cut me to the heart to do it but i had decided to give him his way and let those purple socks pass out of my life after all there are times when a cove must make sacrifices i was just going to nip back and break the glad news to him when the lift came up so i thought i would leave it till i got home the coloured chappie in charge of the lift looked at me as i hopped in with a good deal of quiet devotion and what not i wish to thank yo sir he said for yo kindness eh what mr jeeves done give me them purple socks as you told him thank you very much sir i looked down the blighter was a blaze of mauve from the ankle bone southward i don't know when i've seen anything so dressy oh uh, not at all right oh glad you like him i said well i mean to say what absolutely End of chapter 10